But I think when you realize like, hey, the waitress that I go, when I go to my favorite restaurant, the waitress who's waiting on me is being spiritually formed. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Like she may have questions. And so it's not necessarily about, well, I evangelize and then I disciple. It's like, no, she's being spiritually formed. So what does that look like in her life? The spiritual formation concept, I think, just kind of gets rid of the distinction between evangelism and discipleship and just says, where are you? We want to move people to Jesus because we've moved Jesus to the center of our lives, right? right? So now we're on mission. We want to help other people get to that place where they believe in Jesus. So now I think it takes into account, where are you spiritually? The question isn't, are we being changed? The question is, how are we being changed? All right, well, here we go. We got another one coming, the last one of the year. So uh, we decided to make this one a little extra special and bring some guests on with us this time. Uh, But before we introduce the guests, I want to preface this conversation today uh, by letting you know which you probably already know, especially if you have kids, that there is sickness everywhere. And at any everywhere. Point, if we lose our voices or we cut off, just bear with us because we're all battling a little bit of that this morning. But, you know, somebody once said that there is a, you know, silver lining on every cloud. And so uh, Pastor Matt from our Live Oak location, we're fixing to, you know, introduce him. But he's here today and he is maybe the worst off of the four mm-hmm. of us. But there's a silver lining because, man, he, he's got a radio voice when he he's does. dropped down here sick like this. It's, it's impressive. He's going he's gonna to be inking some deals with Audible by the time we're done with this. Yeah, I might, uh, I might actually get him to record a couple of my books that I'm supposed to read, you know, and just be able to play them at night and, and listen to his voices. He'll definitely put you to sleep. It's soothing. It's good. So, wait, did you put anybody to sleep Sunday with that voice? Three people. <laughs> Three phenomenal. People. <laughs> okay, well, here, let's get, let's get to the introductions because we've been talking about uh, Matt, but you may not know him yet. So we have uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Chip here. He's been with us the last three weeks. And this week we have our other location pastors as well. And so we have uh, Matt from over there in Live Oak. So Matt, you want to say hey and uh, I guess maybe what your favorite color is or any fun fact about yourself? <laughs> well, I'm not a very interesting guy, so I don't have any fun facts. But uh, no, my name is Matt, location pastor in Live Oak. Excited to be here this morning to see what this is all about. Yeah, it's good. It'll be good. You're going to see what it's all about. And here's the reality is we are not always sure what it's all about until we're about it. So that's the other fun side of it. And then we have uh, Pastor Eddie, who's also a location pastor. He's our Brantford location pastor, but not just a location pastor to the orchard. A lot of you know him as our founding pastor. And so uh, if you have any fun facts, they don't already know about you, Pastor Eddie, please feel free to share them. I don't think I know of any fun facts about me. I'm basically not a very fun person, but, um, you know, honestly, I don't think well on my feet real quick. And so um, I think at this point, I'll just say hi. Good to see everybody. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's fun having these guys here. They say they're not fun people, but like you said in the first episode, AJ, your job here is to bring the party, right? And so we're going to have fun uh, in the conversation today. Yeah, I have to admit, I was thinking about, I'm sitting beside AJ, and it is kind of hard to think of yourself as fun when you're next to AJ. He, he, he'll bring it out of you, though. You know, by comparison, you're in trouble, but by proximity, you're great. Yeah. So that, that's where we're at right now. But before we kind of jump in to kind of finishing out, maybe rounding out the series that we've been in this month, um, I want to stop and take a minute and just talk about the idea and the role of location pastors. So, so maybe let's just park here for a minute. And I would love for you guys maybe to speak to uh, what does it mean for you to be a location pastor, right? Because we're in a multi-site church. I'm the, quote, lead pastor, uh, but you guys are the ones who are there at your location every Sunday leading for, caring for your people. So kind of any thoughts on what does that mean to be a location pastor? Well, I'm brand new to the orchard as far as less than two years. So uh, this was kind of a shift for me. 
I grew up in a traditional setting. And so for me, location pastor is uh, very much like being, quote unquote, a senior pastor at a traditional church where you are the guy, but with less of a burden. And what I mean is that it's not like the buck stops with you. You have other accountability. You have other people that you can brainstorm with, consult with. And so from the pastoral seat, uh, I would say it's similar to being a senior pastor in the sense that like you oversee your location. Uh, you don't do everything, but you kind of uh, make sure everybody has what they need, check in on people, kind of care for the leaders. So you lead the leaders there, um, but with maybe less of the burden that you don't feel like all the weight is on your shoulders uh, because we have other location pastors and other staff in the office that you kind of touch base with and, and um, consult with and things like that. Yeah, I think that's good. And uh, maybe we'll even circle back to talk about a couple things you said in there that I think are really important. But um, not just as a location pastor, you know, AJ already mentioned that, Pastor Eddie, you're the founding pastor. And you have transitioned from that role of the lead pastor to a location pastor. So maybe better than anybody here at the table, you've got a feeling for, okay, what, what is different about this location pastor role? Maybe, maybe you could speak to that. Yeah, I, I think, um, as a matter of fact, I think I'm really still just learning the role of lead pastor. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I'm learning the role of location pastor because I haven't done it for a terribly long time, um, and I did come at it from a different perspective at one point. However, I'm loving the transition and loving the, the, the position of location pastor. I think, to me, it's zeroing in on that location and taking care of the shepherding for the, the flock, if you will, taking care of the needs of that particular location, leading and guiding the teams of that location, being the pastor of that location. And yet at the same time, we are first and foremost location uh, orchard pastors. And as Chip, as you have said many times, yeah, that's good. That's important for us to remember and to keep in mind, we're just simply assigned to a certain location. Yeah, I think uh, you guys... I took all those notes down, so I'm going to start being a better location pastor. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's good. Um, I think that's good, man. I think uh, one of the things that fascinates me about the way that we do it is is the way that we're able to kind of work together, right? And so I think Matt kind of alluded to this, but we're not just on an island with most everything, right? We have meetings throughout the weeks that you guys don't see a lot of the times that how we form our sermons, how we plan events, how we kind of brainstorm through uh, a lot of that stuff. And so I love that we're able to kind of do that collectively and together and we're able to kind of function as a unit. And we say this all the time. You guys may not know this, but I want to plug this real quick. That's the the first team is the orchard, right? The orchard is the first team. And so yeah. uh, first and foremost, we're looking at not our location and, and what makes our location better than every other location, but we're looking at what what we decide, what we do, how does that impact the orchard as a whole? That's what matters most, uh, even ahead of our own locations. And sometimes you know, that is a is a challenging conversation, but one that's worth having. Yeah, I think that that is hard, right? To to think of ourselves as the first team, and that's a phrase that we use uh, among our pastors. We got it from uh, I got it from Pat Lencioni, uh, who is a believer, but he's not a Christian leadership guy. He's a leadership guy, and he writes a lot of books. You know, speaks at a lot of conferences, and he uses that idea. Uh, of first team. But I think it's important because that's really what makes us one church in multiple locations and not several different churches that cooperate together. It is because we really do see ourselves as pastors of the orchard. 
Um, now there's a there's a differentiation maybe in role uh, of my role as the lead pastor uh, versus you guys uh, and your role as location pastor. Like you know Matt mentioned, hey the buck doesn't stop here. Well w- with me the buck does stop here, you know, and that's one of the weights that you feel. And Pastor Eddie and I have you know had a lot of conversations about that weight behind it. But at the end of the day, we are all pastors uh, of the orchard, and that's one of the things I love because when you talk about multi-site churches, a lot of people think, oh, we're just multi-site churches because it's cool or because it's trendy or, or whatever. But when you get to know us, you, you really find out, <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody's laughing at the table because it's not easy yeah. and it's not cool. Uh, but the reason we do it is because I think in a lot of ways it's more biblical, right? If you look at at the early church, I think this plurality of pastors is something that you see inside of the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I know we, we usually, or I say we usually, we're like three of these in, right? So we don't, we don't really have a usually yet, but one we're of the things that we, uh, we talked about was having a little nerd out section. So maybe we talk about that in a minute with some of our nerd out section. But yeah, um, I know, Chip, you had, so, so you're kind of taking a little bit of that interview role this go around. And so I'm curious, what are some of the questions that you have for us as location pastors? Because this series has been a lot of uh, we, and we said this, your heart and, and the things that you feel like God is, is burdening you with for this church in particular. And so you did a lot of the, the sermon outlining for this series. And so I'm curious, what are some questions you have for us as we kind of round this series out based on what we've seen, any of that? Yeah. Um, so obviously this series, we use video when I wasn't able to be there live during the three weeks that I was preaching. And that's not something that we always do. You know, at the Orchard, it's something we rarely do, but when we do it, we do it because we think it's important. And for this series in particular, uh, and again, this is one of those differences as the lead pastor, you know, I really felt like I have a responsibility to kind of cast a vision for not just where we want to go as a church, but who we want to become as a church. And we talked about this uh, in the series that we want to be a church that is deeply formed in our faith and our life and our mission. And we talked about that idea of spiritual formation, moving Jesus uh, to the center of our hearts and lives. And so I really felt like that was the direction God was leading. I tried to really kind of shape that vision through the first three weeks of this series. And then you guys um, contextualized, filtered that vision uh, for your particular locations on this Sunday. Um, But at the end of the day, if we just kind of move beyond it, like, oh, that was a good series, then probably it didn't do what we wanted it to do. So I'm curious, did you guys maybe in your people, um, in conversations or whatever, did you see some aha type moments from your people in this series as we talked about spiritual formation? I want to start with this, an aha moment that we tried to create. And it, it relates back to you talking about you've been on the video and As we know, video is not our thing that we want to do every week, but I think it it was really helpful to be able to try to instill in people the thought that we have, and that is that it's not all about the the presence of a man on the platform, but about the presence of the Holy Spirit in the room. Yeah, that's good. And I think that that was an aha thing, and uh, the really remarkable thing to me is um, I had... I had almost zero complaint about video. You know, maybe a little grumble here or there, 
but no complaint about it at all. And so I think people begin to get it. Hey, let me let me put a disclaimer out there right now. When Pastor Eddie said I didn't hear this, that does not mean that you need to complain louder <laughs> if you were complaining and he just didn't hear you. Uh, yeah, I second that motion. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. But I do think that was a, a moment. Where, again, we're a new location just over a year. And so I think that's something we said early on at our other locations that I haven't really said a lot in Branford. And so, again, I think the point of making, it's not about the, the, the man on the platform, but the Holy Spirit in the room. Yeah, I want to kind of piggyback on that because maybe one of the aha moments for me personally was uh, kind of hitting on what Chip said earlier. We don't do multi-site because it's easy. Uh, in fact, while we were doing video, every week we did video in Live Oak, we had some type of technical difficulty. And my first thought was, we would we could have avoided this at all costs if we just had someone who gave you know an in person uh, talk in that moment. But I came up one Sunday after after literally a disaster, like pop up windows coming up in the middle of the service, and like I'm in the back like boiling because I'm frustrated because I'm type A and I like things to go according to plan. But it kind of dawned on me through all of that, uh, and so when I got up at the end of the service, the aha moment for me in that moment was. No, like we really believe that this is the best way, even though it's not the easiest way. And so these frustrations are a side effect of doing video right here. And so the temptation is to say, let's just cut out video. Let's just do it all in person and live. I think all of us at this table would prefer that. But we have to realize that it's not about us as individuals. It's about us as a church doing what we feel like God's leading us to do. Uh, really, and what we talked about in this series is to join him on mission. And so because we join him on mission, we feel like the best way to reach these individual communities is to be uh, a voice, a church in those communities where we belong to each other, and yet we can contextualize. And so um, maybe not for our people. I don't know if they shared that. But for me, that aha moment was just the reality of like, sometimes it's going to be painful. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. Sometimes you're going to be frustrated but those frustrations take a back seat because we believe that we're joining God on mission and how he's leading us to do it. Yeah, that's good. Man, I feel that. And I think it's honestly one of the cool things you said is that realization that you are in the community. And that's kind of what makes this model a little bit distinct for us, especially in these rural contexts, because as a not local guy, right, what I have seen as I've been transported, uh, transplanted in the middle of North Florida is a bunch of communities that really look similar, that really act similar, but think somehow they're so distinct and unique. And I'm like, I don't Dollar store this. people, not target people. Yeah. But when I'm looking from the outside in, it's so clear to me, yet when I get into each distinct community, I think sometimes it's lost on that community that you're a part of a bigger, larger context here, Absolutely. whether you want to be or not, you know? You know, I've joked that uh, one of my life goals by the end of my time here on earth, I want to have North Central Florida admit that we are a region of admit. Florida. Right. Yes, like we yeah. have we have the panhandle. We've got the Space Coast. We have Miami, which is way bigger than yeah, Miami. Yeah. Right. But what's North Central Florida? Well, it's North Central Florida where everybody lives five minutes from a dollar store and a half hour from a Walmart. <laughs> There's more cows than people. We have pine trees, not palm trees like that's That's us. But on any given Friday night, man, it's clear that we are different, distinct communities too. But it is, it is fascinating to me that though we tried uh, to pivot to the sermon series, here we are talking about multi-site again. And I think that's phenomenal. That's why we're doing a podcast like this is maybe to dig into some of this stuff. So, so let me kind of, maybe here's our nerd out section a little bit. Let me, let me nerd out for a minute on multi-site because we keep saying, right? All of us have said uh, that it is better, not easier. It is better, not easier. Uh, and so I'm going to get Pastor Eddie, maybe 
hop in a minute because this is something that most people may not be aware of. Uh, but you didn't start the orchard for it to become a multi-site church. That that wasn't the first plan. No, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know what multi-site was at the time. Now, not that it didn't exist; it did. I just had not read about it. Was not familiar with it until later. Actually, um, multi-site came to my mind. Uh, because of a failure in a church plant. We were trying to plant a church and actually failed because there was not enough accountability, and multi-site became a way of finding accountability and eventually releasing that church to become an autonomous church. So we were more in the beginning about church planting, and I think we still are, and multi-site became a way for us to do church planting, which is why I think Ocala Jasper, some other areas that we've had some success in that. Yeah, and and you just mentioned two of the locations that were locations that are now autonomous churches and church plants because that's always been the goal. One of the things that you guys have hopefully heard us say is that at the orchard, it's not about the number of trees, it's about the amount of fruit, right? It's about the fruit of the orchard. Yeah, I would just say I think that that wasn't our original intention, but uh, I think Matt hit on the point of why we stayed with multi-site you know, so so dominantly in some areas is because pastors love the fact that they're not out there on their own, you know, that we do have support from other locations, from other pastors. We have the, 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 the peer support, we have the resource support, et cetera. Well, I think to me, that's one of the ways that we see multi-site as best. And, and AJ and Matt, you guys hop in here in a minute and speak to this because, you know, Eddie and I were a little bit long in the tooth by the time we came to the orchard. We'd had a lot of years of experience in a traditional church. And you guys both came from traditional churches, uh, but maybe in a way um, that you haven't hadn't been more fully ingrained in where you're at. So you're maybe more open to new models and, and, and maybe a little bit different. But I think one of the things that you guys have kept saying is accountability, right? Uh, because in the world we live in today, in the culture we live in today, accountability isn't something that takes a lot of priority. Matter of fact, you, you look around and you see a lack of accountability places. We have everybody in key leadership positions that have uh, fallings and failings because there's no accountability, whether it be a politician or a pastor or a CEO, there's no accountability. And yet you look at the New Testament and you look at the letters that Paul writes to churches in the New Testament, and there is an extreme level of accountability. Like Paul hasn't been to these churches in months, sometimes years, and he's holding them accountable for what he's heard about them, yeah. right? And and I think in church world today, um, we may have a bunch of different denominations, and some denominations have more of that hierarchy where there's a little more accountability. But by and large, a lot of churches, we're, we're autonomous. We're autonomous. And, and, and I believe that the local church ought to be uh, self-governed, self-led, uh, 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 able to follow the leading of the Lord as they see fit. And yet I think in multi-site, we find the perfect blending of those two. Like we are one church, and as a church, we are autonomous. But one of the things that multi-site does, and us being able to serve as pastors of that church together, is I think it provides a mutual accountability, right? Like we are accountable to each other. You know, Live Oak can't do whatever Live Oak does and not care about Lake City. And Lake City can't do whatever it does and not care about Branford. And none of us at this table can run off rogue and do whatever we want because we're accountable uh, to each other. So I think that idea of accountability is maybe something that multi-site's able to bring to the table that we see lost from the early church. Yeah, I, man, I think accountability is big. I think you see it here. I think the other thing, if you're asking one of the major differences from my last context to this context or or any traditional context, I would imagine, is 
you know, in those seats and in those rooms, it seems like there's one guy with a lot of yes men at times. And if you ever come to a Tuesday meeting, there's not, sometimes there's more no men than yes men, right? And and I think that's one of the beauties of how we do things. And that's one of the things I appreciate about The Orchard is we have a voice, right? We're in there and we're having this conversation and it's a voice that's respected by the other guys in the room. And so at the end of the day, um, there's not a tyrant in the room trying to get everybody to come to the same conclusion. There's people in the room who are genuinely saying, hey, what's best? We need to get to what's best here. And and God has sovereignly orchestrated all of you to get together in the room. And so we believe that you're in the room for a reason. So let's hash out what's best. I want to hear your voice in this matter. And to me, that's one of the biggest differences to me as a young leader. I think that's one of the things I probably value the most as well. Um, but I think that's one of the things that makes us work so well as a team. And so that's why uh, culture is such an important piece of that conversation as well. Yeah, I think that that is not just by accident, that's by design, you know, and, and I've heard Pastor Eddie talk about this, and so uh, maybe it'll do his heart good to hear it being repeated, but, you know, there's two kinds of leadership. You can lead through authority and you can lead through influence, right? And when you look at church world, uh, primarily you see people lead solely through authority, right? And if they have a little bit of authority, they're going to let you know. Uh, churches are full of people who are self-important and want to be big fish in a little pond. And hey, you're listening to this podcast, hope you have thick skin, because I mean it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you look at people who find the local church, and that's the place that they want to exercise any little bit of authority that yeah. they have and let you know they have it. But at the orchard, while there is an authority structure in place, we would rather lead from influence, not authority, because at the end of the day, it's all about relationship. Yeah. You know, it's all about relationship, being able to lead through relationships and to lean in and say, hey, I can trust you in this moment, even though on the org chart, you're not ahead of me. I'm going to step back and let you take lead. And, and without getting, you know, too nerdy on this uh, or, or too overly spiritual, Man, I think that's a perfect picture of the Trinity, right? That there is a oneness and plurality. There is a mutual submission as each uh, person in the Trinity has their distinct roles, uh, whether it be God planning salvation, Jesus accomplishing salvation, the Spirit sealing salvation. I mean, I mean, you look at that, and I think, man, this is a biblical model of let's lead through influence and relationship, not authority. Yeah, I'm curious, Matt, to hear what you think uh, in regard to that, too, because I know you also came from one of those contexts, and you kind of already talked about, you know, the idea of of the lack of burden. I feel, I guess, that you feel uh, at this place compared to that place. So, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that as well. Let me first say, because um, I think I first used traditional church in this conversation, so I'd maybe kickstart some of this. But uh, this is talking about multi-site in the positive, not traditional in the negative. And so, I just want to say that in it's case good. it's good word, uh, someone's hearing this out there, and you're part of another church of traditional church. Right? This is not bashing traditional church. This is just talking about multi-site in, in the positive and, and how, uh, from my perspective, being kind of new to this, um, some of the, the pros that I see in this. Uh, when I say accountability, I think for us in this context, where that accountability comes from is kind of what uh, Chip and AJ have alluded to, and that's that there's a mutual respect. In the traditional setting, when you are the alpha, you are the top of the food chain, the buck stops with you, I think sometimes pastors feel guarded, mm-hmm. and rightfully so, because yeah, sometimes yeah. they have to be guarded so, so they don't get eaten alive. Right. But I think it's easy to build up maybe uh, a wall or become somewhat callous and not open up to other people. And so, you know, sometimes I think just for survival purposes, you 
you kind of build that that alpha mentality yeah um versus when we come into the room you know i feel like my opinion is just as valid as other people's opinion my feedback is just as valid as other feedback and really also what i mean when i say accountability from my perspective here for us at the orchard is not just like you know sexual purity and integrity within your marriage or you know those types of moral type failings and things like yes that's part of it but also accountability in the sense of like man if if we come into a communicators meeting like i feel that if if i haven't been reading and studying god's word mm-hmm. and spending time with him like i feel that because i can tell that the other guys in the room have and and their thoughts display that you yeah. know as as we talk about these things through our, our sermon prep or whatever, like, like, like I feel that it may not ever become vocal. I may not say, Hey, by the way, I feel convicted right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but there's accountability in that just surrounding yourself with people who, who are, you know, in humility, walking with Jesus, not in perfection, but in faithfulness, striving to, to be like him, striving to lead their locations. Well, there's also accountability in that. And so, uh, it's just something that I've grown to appreciate, um, and, and maybe it's hard to to kind of relate to that if you're not in that setting, but but man, it's just it's freeing almost, and, and it frees you up to do what you feel like God's leading you to do because you know that someone has your back, um, but also it, it it challenges you to continue to strive to to lead your location better uh, because you see how other people are doing that. Yeah, and either three of y'all correct me if I'm wrong here, but my my understanding is that that trickles down to our locations, right? Because in my head, we round out this conversation this past week by saying, hey, we are collectively trying to get this right, right? The last three weeks have been about you as the individual trying to get this right, but now we are collectively trying to get this thing right, and we've got to collectively be on the same page if we're going to collectively get this thing right, and so we want to bring in the understanding, and this is one of the, the drums that we beat occasionally, you know, and I know at each location, and I've said this, I think I said this even this week in Lake City, but it's not about even just being unified with the other locations of the orchard. It's about being unified with other believers. Like if we get a community in a city full of believers, we don't have to rely on the people that call the orchard home. We get to rely on an entire city full of Christians that are running the same race. And so uh, well, that's one of the other things I love about our model is I think it immediately casts vision on what we do, but also who we are as a people too, trying to get everybody to run in that direction, say, no, the kingdom of God is bigger than just you. Let's try to get this right together. And then I think incredible things can happen. Yeah, that that's good. And, and man, this is this is a good discussion. Uh, maybe you tuned in because you were wondering more about the message from Sunday, and now you've got 25 minutes of Psych. multi-site talk. Uh, but it's good. I hope it's helpful for you to kind of understand our heart behind it, whether you're a part of the orchard, not a part of the orchard. Uh, man, this is not something we do because it's easy or cool or trendy. We, we do this because we genuinely believe it's better. Uh, but uh, let, let's shift gears back to the series and, and talk about it a little bit more. And I'm going to throw something at Pastor Eddie here because I'm always, you know, and maybe I shouldn't be this way, uh, but every time one of these vision series has rolled around the last couple of years when it's been, you know, my privilege to, to lead the series, I'm always kind of doing it with an eye toward Pastor Eddie, like, man, he started this church. He's been my pastor. I hope this is, you know, uh, okay. Um, and, and I really really do feel like this is where the Lord was leading, but uh, in some ways, it was a little bit of a shift from the original vision of the orchard, because the original vision of the orchard is, hey, we want to be uh, a simple church uh, that makes disciples of the unconvinced, the unconnected, and unfinished. And, and that phrase, makes disciples, was a big part of the vision of the orchard in its early days and a big engine behind everything that we did. And I just came out in this series and said, hey, I want to put that term discipleship on the shelf 
And I want to move to the idea of spiritual formation. So uh, let, let's throw Pastor Eddie under the bus and get his thoughts on maybe what seems like a big shift. Well, this would be a great time for me to have some fun with Chip, but I don't have time. So I'll go ahead and give you the answer, I think. Uh, you know, it didn't bother me at all because the concept hasn't changed. The verbiage has changed. One of the things that I love about our Tuesday meetings you've been talking about a lot is that we often talk about how we want to say a certain thing. We may all agree that this is the point, but how do we best communicate that? What's the best verbiage? What's the best word even? What's the best phrase? And um, we realize that we live in a day where vocabulary is changing and things don't mean the same things. And, and it may even mean the same thing, but some things help us picture it better. I think you did a really good job, Chip, in showing us that spiritual formation is discipleship. For those of us who think back in the older days to what discipleship is, to the ones who are younger, it was no issue at all because they don't know what discipleship is, right? Um, and so I think that shift was good because it's... it's uh, uh, I, I think showing to me spiritual formation is a good way to use a good word to use a good phrase to use because it indicates that this is a process not just a checklist that we go through yeah that's it man I think that is really my heart behind it is that we can't see this as a one and done thing we can't see it as a box that we've checked this is a process of moving Jesus to the center of our heart and life yeah in fact I think the original thing is you were talking about that just then made me realize, that when, when we first started thinking about discipleship and came up with that mission statement years ago, you know what the really point was? Here's the question I asked. Discipleship to me is, how do I move a person from point A to point B? If point A is coming to know Christ as your personal Savior, and point B is being a fully devoted follower of Christ, how do we move them from point A to point B? So that's spiritual formation. Yeah, that's good. And I think, you know, I was able to um, be at Lake City Sunday. I didn't preach, but uh, I attended the first service there. Uh, Sunday was my wife Leanne's birthday, and sadly enough, she was homesick and is homesick from work today. So I came to the first service and then went back to, you know, help take care of the kids and bring her breakfast and everything. Um, but I did get to hear AJ's message. It's a good man right there, bring her breakfast, take notes, guys. Yeah, I'm just throwing, you know, trying to get brownie points from everybody out there. Um, but uh, I did get to hear AJ uh, talking. And one of the things that I think he did a good job of in his message, and so AJ, I want you to maybe see if you can recap that again for us, is you, you did a good job at the beginning of your message um, kind of connecting those dots uh, of formed in faith, life, and mission, and, and maybe seeing that as the process of moving from point A to point B. So uh, what do you think about maybe trying to recap yeah. that, connect those dots for us about how spiritual formation, moving Jesus to the center of our heart and lives, moves us through that process? Yeah, I think you have to be—there is a process, right? And you have to be so diligent on the front end, I guess maybe is the word. And I say diligent, really, the salvation piece is the first part of the equation, right? We we come to faith in Jesus, and then from that moment, we've got to decide, okay, what if I'm going to be formed, how am I going to be formed? And what's going to influence my formation? Because here's a, here's a complete sidebar. I haven't talked to you about this yet, Chip. But over the Thanksgiving break, I learned a lot about the word deconstruction. I learned a lot about what it means in its own context, not just how we use it. And so I got into a ton of conversations on the internet. Don't advocate for that. But I got into it. Not the best way to spend your Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, my wife may have looked at me and said, hey, you going to put your phone down and hang out? And I'm like, hang on, I got to reply to this guy I've never met real quick. <laughs> um, but I learned that as we use the word, we're using it in a positive connotation that says, hey, we want to get rid of this stuff so we can rebuild the right way, right? 
Um, the way culture seems to be using the word deconstruction right now is that, no, you don't have to rebuild anything. Just deconstruct it, and then whatever you think is good is good, you know? However you feel like, and I got into a conversation with some pluralists, some moral relativists, and I'm just, my head's exploding, right? But, but here's, getting back to the point, this is where I think the process is so important. When we get to the first week of our conversation here, we've got to be formed in faith. We've got to have a foundation that says, I need to understand, as a believer— where where the bottom line is, where am I getting my information? How am I storing my information? What is my information, right? And so we talked about starting with God's Word, and we talked about uh, making sure that we are Spirit-led people, and, and those two things never contradicting and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and making sure that we get there. And then... Here's what I truly believe will happen. If we can be people that are formed in faith, we have a phenomenal foundation, we're spirit-led, then we're going to realize, okay, now my faith, the thing that I'm formed in, God's Word, it's driving every decision, it's influencing every corner, every area of my life, the way that I parent, the way that I'm a husband, the way that I'm a wife, the way that I'm a coworker. And now I don't just know things about Jesus— I get to live like Jesus because the things I know about Jesus are influencing who I am. That's why I'm formed in life. And then as we start to know and hold on to tightly what we believe, and as we start to live those things out, not just in our personal lives, what we're going to see is it's going to ooze out into mission, right? We're going to see that it oozes out into uh, every corner of not just the people we know, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to start to become this contagious, addicting thing like we talked about a couple weeks ago. We're like, I need, I need more people to know about this. I need more people to understand that this isn't just for me. This can be for them too, and they can, and they can have healthy marriages the way God designed them, and they can raise their kids the way God designed them, and they can deal with brokenness the way God decides uh, healing and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and, and it's this process you go on that we've been trying to bring you guys. I think Chip did such a great job with bringing you guys along the journey over the first three weeks. But it's a process that if we do not start at step one the right way, it's, it's going to be, we can get off the rails very quickly. So it's a process that's got to be rooted in God's Word. It's got to be rooted in who He is. And then it's a process we've got to be able to say, okay, if this is true, this is who I'm going to be. And if this is true, this is how I'm going to live, whether I think it's right or not. And then uh, on the other side of that, I think, I think the mission is organic, right, a lot of times. And I think this is where we move to. All right, this is true. This is who I'm going to be. And then we're like, hey, it's working. <laughs> it's working. And so I want to tell other people about this. So uh, that's that's kind of where I saw that series go. And I'd be curious to hear, I guess, one of y'all thoughts, maybe Matt, as to kind of what uh, what you think about that, what you saw, maybe if you want to have anything to add to that as well. Yeah, I think just the, the idea of spiritual formation as a whole was helpful for people um, for this reason, if none other, is that every single person on the planet because we're creating god's image whether you believe that or not whether you agree with that or not like every person is creating god's image so therefore you are a spiritual being like every person on the planet is being spiritually formed and there's a tons of factors that go into that how you were raised uh who raised you uh if you have a church background you don't have a church background you know you go to college like there's so many factors who you subscribe to podcasts books you know like there's so many factors that play into our spiritual formation and so I think it's helpful for this reason for our people to kind of understand that because I think for a long time there was there was a distinction between evangelism and discipleship and it happened in that order. But I think when you realize like, hey, the waitress that I go when I go to my favorite restaurant, the waitress who's waiting on me is being spiritually formed. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Like she may have questions that, you know, and so it's not necessarily about, well, I evangelize and then I disciple. It's like, no, she's being spiritually formed. So, so what does that look like in her life? Like how can I – you know, if there's an opportunity that presents itself, whether it's, hey, can I pray for you, whether she says something, you know, like like, like the spiritual formation concept, I think, just kind of gets rid of the distinction between evangelism and discipleship and just says, where are you 
and we want to move people to Jesus because we've moved Jesus to the center of our lives, right? right? So now we're on mission. We want to help other people get to that place where they believe in Jesus. So now I think it takes into account, like, where are you spiritually? Yeah. You may be like negative 12, you know, on, on the <laughs> yeah. scale, but like, okay, it's not now that I give you the ABCs and I'm trying to get you saved so then I can disciple you. It's like, no, it takes into account where are you? And I think it personalizes right. our encounters with people. So yeah, we are being spiritually formed and that's kind of the heart behind this message. Like at the orchard, we want to be spiritually formed, but as it bleeds over into mission, the concept of spiritual formation is helpful because we also realize that everybody else is being spiritually formed Yeah, and, and it kind of helps us meet them where they are. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Everybody's bringing a thousand presuppositions to the table based on their experiences. Yeah. So, all right, here we go. Nerd out section part two. I can't not. Um, one of my favorite conversations, uh, and AJ and I have had this conversation a lot, is that uh, missiologists, which are people who focus primarily on mission from a theological and practical standpoint. What does mission look like? How do we do mission? Um, a while back, they developed this scale, and Matt referenced it, which made me think about it, called the Engel scale, yeah. right? And so if you think of a number line that starts at negative 10, negative 9, negative 8, and goes all the way to positive 10, what they would say is, okay, that is the Engel scale. Uh, and, and to be honest, I'm assuming the guy who came up with it is named Engel because I have no other reason for why sure, that would yeah. be the name. Uh, but the idea is is that, okay, you've got that scale that runs from negative 10 to 10. Zero is where we cross the line of faith and go from unsaved to saved, lost to found. If you had died, you were headed to hell and separation from God. To across that line, you are now headed to heaven and life forever with him. Because we believe that salvation happens at a point in time. There's a line that you cross where you are uh, made alive spiritually. You're born again, whatever language you want to use. Um, but what the Engel scale did is it gave us a, a way to think, okay, well, it's not just as simple as moving from one side of that line to the other, uh, because maybe spiritual formation is helping somebody who was a negative eight move to a negative six, you know, yeah. um, not just going from a negative one to a positive one. Yeah. Right. And, and then, you know, spiritual formation is, uh, maybe moving somebody who was a three to a four. Yeah. And so traditionally what we've done is called movement on the negative side of that scale, uh, towards the positive side. What we have called that is moving from a negative six to a negative four. We've called that evangelism, right? We are evangelizing people. And then if we say we're moving from a positive four to a positive six, we call that discipleship, right? But here's the other thing. It's all spiritual formation. It's not It's not evangelism and discipleship. It's all spiritual formation. But what I would say is it's something we've already, already talked about is that you're always moving on that scale because the truth is some of us are moving from a six back to a four. Yeah. Right. We we look less like Jesus. We call that if you grew up in traditional church, Pastor Eddie, that's being that's backsliding, right? Backsliding. We're backsliding, right? Or how about this? Somebody who moves from a negative two to a negative five. Well, that's being reprobate, right? That they're sure. reprobate. Yeah. Or you know, if we go from a you know whatever to a whatever, you can move the other direction too. And so I think that being able to understand all of that as spiritual formation and that everybody everywhere all the time is moving in one direction or another on that scale is so important to make all of this fit together. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's also a good thing to keep in mind because, you know, as, as you guys listen to this podcast, right, and as you guys come to church on Sundays, uh, it's not lost on us that everybody's in a different spot. Everybody is on their own spot in the angle scale, right? And so I think for those of you 
that are at the place where you feel like you're on mission right now and you're doing well on mission, my encouragement would be keep in, keep the Ingle scale in mind because it's not a loss if you go home and somebody didn't move past zero, right? It's it's not a loss. It's it's worth having those conversations. It's worth understanding that that person might be at a negative four today, uh, but through the way that you are formed in your faith in your life, it could very well be the thing that influences them and moves them closer to zero uh, and gets them to that moment. Yeah, that's that's good. So, um, man, we're running quickly out of time because although we are fascinating people to listen to, the mind can only comprehend what the behind can endure. And so we are running out of time. Um, so let, let's maybe end with one more question because this series has been about who we want to become. Who do we want to become? So how do we, at your location, as a church, as a whole, how do we keep this idea of spiritual formation at the forefront of our focus as we go into the next year and then throughout the next year? Well, I think for me, I've given some thought to that question because um, I think it is important that we not just hear this series and say, hey, well, that was good, or, you know, man, that's good stuff, or, hey, great series. We, we need to actually do it. That, that's the thing. I think um, what I love about this vision, Chip, quite frankly, is most of the time when people listen to vision series or are about to hear a vision series, they're expecting to hear numbers, you know, how many numbers can we gain in, in finances, how many numbers can we gain in people in the seat, you know, how many buildings can we build or whatever. And what I love here that I was able to say to our folks yesterday is that I'm thankful to have a lead pastor with a vision for hearts, you know, not just not just numbers. Numbers are important. I understand that. And numbers are tell the sto- tell a story. But you know what we're saying is our vision is to see people grow, to to be formed in the image of Christ. And um, and by the way, I think if we are forming, if we are being formed into the image of Christ, we're going to grow, and the numbers will be there. But back to your question. So in my thought, I'm trying to form formulate my questions in goal sheets that I do. I, I do goals and project sheets, and I, this is kind of practical. I'm not sure if that's what you want, but in my thought, I'm trying to think, okay, everything that we do this year throughout the year, whether it is a project, whether it is an event, whether it is a you know a challenge or whatever, and this is in my life personally and in the church, I think the two go together. I want to ask those questions: How is this going to uh, aid to the process, or how is this a part of the process of being formed spiritually formed in faith? How is this going to add to the process of being spiritually formed in life and mission? I think center my goals around those three things and try to find some balance uh, in in those things as well. Yeah, I think that's good, and I think just maybe that awareness could could be a, a huge piece of this for next year. But uh, but what about you, Matt? Yeah, I think awareness um, is good, and that's kind of what we've done in this series. Um, you know, as location pastors, I think we we kind of have a, a role in this to keep it in front of people because you know I don't know the statistics, and they all differ to some degree, but you only remember X amount of what you hear. You know, and so like we can't expect everybody to remember a hundred percent of all three of these messages, and so. You know, to some degree, I think it's something that we just continue to talk about, the, the the phrase spiritual formation. You know, I think we did a good job unpacking that. And so if we just keep the phrase in front of people, that's something that uh, that I think we kind of feel that, um, you know, some of that responsibility as the, the leader of that location. Um, and then I think individually as location pastors, I think it's something that we have to model, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we said in this series that, Spiritual formation, yes, but in these three specific areas, in faith, in life, in mission, 
uh, meaning that what we believe impacts the way that we live. And then when we live out those beliefs, we join God on his mission. Um, and so I think that kind of sets the standard for us as well. You know, uh, am I, and it's funny because, you know, sometimes I think location pastors, senior pastors, whoever in this part of the world, like you're put on a pedestal and it's like, they have all the answers, you know, and we love after a Sunday morning to get all the questions that we really don't know answers to. Um, but you know, I think it's kind of that pedestal mentality of, they have all the answers and all that, but, but it's fascinating because when I read scripture, like I, I see things differently sometimes based on experience that you've walked through that you are walking through. And so that's spiritual formation and what you believe is either like you double down on that because you see it in a different passage and you didn't see it before. Um, or, or maybe you just read a passage that you've read before and you see it from a different angle, you know, not to go too deep in the weeds. I know we got to wrap up, but like yesterday we talked about uh, Ananias and his role that he played in Saul's spiritual journey. So here's Saul who hated the church has a, miraculous encounter with Jesus becomes one of the church. And then God says, Ananias, Hey, I want you to go find Saul. And, and he, he hadn't read Acts chapter nine, one through nine. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and he basically says to God, like, you want me to go find him? He's coming to find me. Yeah. You know, like, but, but I think the point of that is the question that I, that I kind of challenge our people with is, are we willing to do what God is asking us to do, even when it doesn't make sense to us? And I, I think that's a, a good litmus test for our spiritual formation. I do it because I believe God said it in his word primarily, and then I live it because I trust that he is right and he knows best, even maybe when it doesn't make sense for us. And when I do that, then inevitably he will lead us on mission because his heart is for people like Saul. His heart is for people who don't know him. And so if we are following him and being formed into his likeness, then we can't help but to find ourselves on mission because he's going to lead us to those people. That's good, man. That's really good. The question, how can we keep this at the forefront of our focus for next year? You know, we were doing a refuel meeting. Um, refuel, this is our all-staff meeting. Everybody gets together, and we kind of refuel the first Tuesday of every month. And uh, Pastor Chip was talking to us, and, and he was kind of alluding to this play that they used to run in high school football, right, called 32 Trap. 32 and Trap. And he said it's designed Shout to Shout out Taylor County Bulldogs. There you go, the Bulldogs. Um, not to be confused with all other seven schools in North Florida that are also the Bulldogs. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but he said this play is designed, right, to to get three yards, to get three yards every time you run it, and then eventually you're going to break. You're going to break a run, and you're going to get down the field, and you're going to you're gonna bust the big one, right? So to clarify, I was never the one who broke the run. Sure. Just clarifying. <laughs> so just in case any of my old teammates are listening. No. But the idea there in my – as he, you know, kind of taught us that illustration is keep running the play. Keep running the play well. Get the play, run the play, and eventually you're going to see this breakthrough. And so when, when the question is asked, how do we keep this at the forefront of our focus next year – to me, and, and what I've seen, I think, at our location, Lake City, is get plugged into a group, get plugged into serving. And if you can do those two things, it will make a difference on how often you hit the big one, right? You're going to run three yards down the field, but if you can get those two things together, uh, because here's what we've done in Lake City, right? We don't just have this hodgepodge of, of hangouts, right? We have these moments and these specific leaders that are in the room with you trying to walk through the hard things and groups full of people that want to walk through the hard things and, and serving opportunities where you lock arms with somebody and you say, hey, we got a goal this morning. Let's go do that goal. And those are some of the best relationships you ever form, right? And so um, I think a 32 trap when I think when I see that question, keep running the play, get plugged in. There's great outlets to get plugged into. And eventually I think you're going to see this spiritual formation start to take place. Yeah, and what I hear you say, AJ, is intention, 
right? Like it, we, we have to be intentional about our spiritual formation, even if what we are doing is in many ways unremarkable, right? It's not a new answer. It's not a different answer. It's keep running the same play. Uh, but maybe to bring it full circle, you know, we said the very first message of the series, we're either being conformed or transformed. Mm-hmm. Being conformed happens whether we realize it or not. One yeah. crank at a time, every moment of our life, every TikTok we watch, every conversation we have, every movie we see, it's conforming us. Uh, but being transformed happens intentionally when we are transformed from the inside out uh, to look more like Jesus. And so it's that intention. I think that's good. Yeah, that's really good. So uh, that's kind of where we're going to land this conversation today. I know (laughs) if you made it this far, it's probably because you made it past the first 26 minutes of things maybe you weren't that interested in, but... That was really interesting stuff. Yeah. If you're a nerd. (laughs) If you're a nerd, if if you value some of that church hierarchy stuff, maybe multi-site strategy, how the church operates, functions, all that kind of stuff. But it's fun. It's good. That's kind of a look into... Uh, to our lives throughout the week and, and kind of how we have some of these conversations about making decisions. But the saddest part about this is that we're taking December off and we won't be doing one of these in December. Well, the good news is yeah, we're taking December off and we're not burning this down. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That means we get another uh, month where the office is intact <laughs> and everybody's employed. So um, we are going to pick it up in January, and that's part of the reason for taking off December, so we can kind of get into the weeds a little bit, fine-tune some of this, figure out what we need to uh, uh, make better, what we need to make a little bit worse. You know, I don't know. Some of that stuff, have fun with it along the way. So uh, I'm excited to jump back into it in January, but this will be the last one. Uh, maybe as you kind of take this break with us over the next month, think of some questions, some conversations, some topics that you wouldn't mind diving into um, as we kind of pick this thing back up in January. But uh, it'll be a good time. It'll be a lot of fun. I know we got some big holiday stuff coming, so I'm excited to see what December holds for yeah, us. Yeah, it's good stuff. And uh, man, let, let me just say this. If you have made it this far, if you're listening, um, Christmas Eve, it's mm-hmm. a Sunday morning. If you're listening to this, you know, 49 minutes in, then you're probably going to be at church on Christmas Eve, <laughs> Sunday morning. True. Here's my shameless plug. Bring somebody with you. Yeah. Bring somebody with you. People are more open to faith at this time of year than any other time of year, specifically people who don't go to church. So shameless plug, bring somebody with you to church this Christmas Eve. Even if you're at somebody's house in another state with family, find a church, take them Christmas Eve. Let's let them hear the gospel. Yeah. Also, uh, just a good reminder. That's good. That's a really good reminder. Another good reminder is that Christmas Eve will be on December 24th this year, uh, like it is every year. And I know we say that jokingly, but man, I wish you guys could be a fly on the wall in some of the conversations. <laughs> hey, when's the Christmas Eve service this year? <laughs> when's it? So this year it's on a Sunday. This year we're doing one service at 1030 uh, for every location, but not at every location. And so uh, yeah, it's keep your ears time. open. Yeah, keep your ears open for that. We'll have all those logistics coming out, but it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, I think that's it. And uh, we'll see you guys in 2024. 2024. See ya. <laughs>